general, I'm, I'm not sure if you know about this, but me and Wes have a little forfeit for the season. Um, and the forfeit for the season is that whoever finishes lowest out of us two has to paint a drawing of the other person's like uh, Twitter like avatar and display it in the downstairs bathroom um, for a month, 30 calendar days like. And Wes was sort of, you know, top 20k poking fun a couple of weeks ago. And I was about 150k or whatever. And, you know, okay, I took it in the chin. I thought, you know, Wes is the guy who knows FPL. I'm just the charismatic host who everyone likes. And what seems to have happened this week, Mark, which you'll find quite hilarious, I'd say, is I've actually outscored him by 50 points. Wes, what on earth has happened there? Do you know, you're going to be better go out and buy some paintbrushes. Yeah, so I've already ordered them from Amazon. <laughs> so my week, yeah, we won't dwell on it too much. Otherwise, I'll probably start crying halfway through the pod. But essentially... Yeah, it's just been absolute catastrophe. Had an awful score, first of all, uh, in a week where, you know, most people have got, or a lot of people have got big scores with the big, obviously, the doubles and big scores for Man City defenders, etc. Um, but my team's done badly, which can happen. I can, you know, I can accept that. But the biggest uh, thing from this weekend for me was not activating my bench boost, which is just a huge rookie error, absolute amateur error for me. Um so yeah, I don't, don't really know what to say there. I'd sorted out my bench, sorted out my team, thought I'd click save. I just hadn't clicked that one button, hadn't clicked save and left the likes of Cancelo on my bench, Fabianski instead of McCarthy. Obviously, I wanted to play them all, of course, because I thought I was bench boosting. Um, and yeah, so at the minute, there's about 26 points there with Loughton still to come. So it could have been a lot worse. I'm kind of happier now than I was at the time of doing it because, yeah, like I said, Cancelo got eight points, which I can live with. He should have you know, if he plays both games and then gets an attacking return, he's probably got a John Stones style score this week. Um, and Fabianski, again, he could have got, you know, a couple of clean sheets in those fixtures quite easily, a few save points, bonus, who knows. So, yeah, I'll kind of um, take that one on the chin, look on the positives. I've already, that I've got a bench boost to play now in a future double game week. Um, but, yeah, just those two things. An, an awful game week score from my front 11 and then not play my bench boost. So, yeah, it's been a wound and now I'm behind you, which is really embarrassing, John. Hey, hey, steady. Mark, have you ever had an absolute disaster like that? Thankfully not. Not that I can remember, but again, it could have happened and it's one of those things when it does happen, you probably erase it from your memory as quickly as possible. Give it a couple of weeks and Wes won't, uh, he won't even remember it happened and he'll never admit it to anyone that it, that it happened. But it's <laughs> it's one of those things, you know, I was going to come on here and, and rip, rip into Wes about this, but to be honest, I feel bad because it can happen to anyone. You know, those, you know, activating chips and, and you know, saving teams. We've, yeah. we've had horror stories, plenty of horror stories over the years. And even in the Elite 64 League I run, which is, you know, 64, the best manager of the world on the world, which Wes is in over the last three or four seasons. This is not the first occasion. I think I remember someone playing a wild card maybe two seasons ago, then hit the button, you know, minus, minus 88 or something like that and derailed the season. So... It's probably um, obviously unfortunate for Wes, but it's, I think it's a reminder and a lesson for all of us that it can happen to anyone. You know, you got to double check, triple check yeah. everything. You know, set your chips, log out, log back in, make sure they're still active. And um, like you say, you got to take the positives. You still got your bench boost. Could have been worse too. Look at Cancelo, for example. Could have been a massive score on your bench. You know, you could have John Stones on your bench. So yeah, got to pick the positives yeah. out of a so- negative. Yeah, absolutely. And I am. And also just to kind of remind people, like you said, it's kind of complacency for me because I've, I've played FPL six, seven years. I've never made, because um, obviously I'm so so into FPL, I'm always on my team, always saving my team, always, you know, it's just never happened to me. So it was kind of a complacency thing that, you know, you see these sort of things happen and I just never thought it would happen to me because I am so, you know, busy with my FPL team normally. But yeah, it was just this just one of those things did it early on the Saturday morning jumped onto WhatsApp to help my patrons and um yeah thought it was saved and it wasn't so yeah it was definitely a, a complacency I should have definitely you know been going on to check like you say like close your browsers on your phone or whatever it is close the app bring it back open make sure it's there make sure that actual save button's grayed out or whatever um so yeah it's definitely you know 100% my fault complacency and just you know a learning curve I guess to to not do it the other yeah the other thing about this is once you do something like that once You'll play you'll play FPL for the next twenty five years, and I guarantee you you'll never make yeah. a mistake like that again. <laughs> yeah. you know, once once you burn yourself once, you definitely won't burn yourself twice. Yeah, it will stay with me. It will stay with me for sure. And like you say, yeah, it will make me not do it in the future and make me sort sort it out. But I think I think there's a, an even bigger message here that can be sort of put out in the podcast. Again, sorry for getting a wee bit too maybe 
deep and spiritual about it all but I think this was a game week where a lot of people had many regrets and they might have been small regrets but they could have been punished quite heavily from an mm. FPL perspective a lot of people chose Diaz over Stones a lot of people maybe chose Watkins over Antonio do you know there have been a lot of decisions like this this week and um, I know yours is obviously a completely different kettle of fish but what I'm talking about is like th- this kind of no, making a decision and not that this was even a decision on your behalf Wes what I'm trying to get at is leaving points behind and it's about how you pick yourself up and get on and I'm not trying to talk about this as like, like you say that to someone whenever they have a tragic life event but like yeah. do you know it, in terms of FPL because at the end of the day this is an FPL podcast it's about yeah. just not throwing the toys out of the house and ah fuck that that's the season gone it's about getting back on the horse and clawing those points back and getting back to the green arrows um, and making good decisions not maybe sort of too early in the season jumping on that differential bandwagon to try and catch up because you feel you've lost points um, yeah. like keeping a level head yeah exactly so I'm going to keep a level head uh, you know when it first happened I was thinking about you know those sort of toys out the prime moments but yeah no, definitely no transfers till near the deadline because of FA Cup games and still the coronavirus stuff going on so yeah I've I've chilled out now I won't be changing the way I play I'll just keep plugging on and hopefully have a good rank by the end of the season and I think it brought a point to touch on and like you said it is you know there's much worse things going on in the world but you know as three guys who take FPL quite seriously and you know the people listening to this pod probably do as well if you're listening to an FPL pod so you know we do have highs and lows it does affect us and I think it is just about being not letting it affect you too badly know that everyone goes through bad game weeks and everyone will have those weeks where you know it can make you feel quite low but just about sort of bouncing back from that not taking it too seriously having a laugh with it so if something goes wrong you know I've just been having a laugh with it with my mates on WhatsApp they've been ripping me and rightly so um so yeah it's just one of those it's just one of those yeah another thing another related thing about a game week like this you know before before the game week even started I knew myself right this is the week where when you log on to Twitter at any point during this double game week you're going to have people tweeting about 150 point scores but if you look at their tweets they'll tweet once probably for the next three months you know you'll They'll have their time in the sun this week and then you won't hear from them again because they'll have bad gaming. So when you're on social media, you know, Slack channels, Twitter, Reddit, whatever, it can feel like everyone except you is having an amazing game week, which is never the case. And I even found it myself this week. I was on halfway through the game week. I was probably on about 70 points and I felt like I wasn't having a good game week because I was seeing all these 100 plus points. But then I had to take a step back. I was on a small green arrow. So I'm saying to myself, this is stupid. You know, you're stupid for feeling like you're not having a good yeah. game week when when you take a step back you are yes there's people having better game weeks than you but you know maybe they don't have as good a rank as you or, or stuff like that so yeah always remember the people who tweet in a week like this is probably the the 10 percent of people who are having a good game week whereas the 90 percent of others are just keeping keeping their tweets to themselves this week absolutely and there's those people who tweet every single day about fpl who post a good score and get abuse <laughs> social media is fucking weird <laughs> that's the yeah. other side you can't even enjoy the highs anymore yeah because yeah, you get accused of only posting when uh, you're doing well which is kind of true i haven't posted my score this week yet but i have obviously uh i did tweet about <laughs> when we asked for questions i said that my question is how do you how do you play your bench boost so hopefully you can help me that <laughs> help me out with that later mark um yeah. But yeah before we get into the podcast and the proper meat of it and the questions all the lovely questions you have submitted i suppose um well first off actually welcome to anyone who has come over to listen particularly to general i didn't actually introduce you yet mark i just keep calling you mark mark here is fpl general who you might have heard of um and yeah if you've come over because general's here and you want to hear you know stick around hit subscribe let us know what you think of the podcast and yeah, um, but before we get into the proper bit of the podcast and, and, and the meat and bones of it, we need to give a shout out to partners of the show, Fanslide. Fanslide is a completely complimentary um, platform to FPL, and it's the world's first in-play fantasy football game. Um, so basically, you play fantasy football for 90 minutes, not one whole game week, on individual games. It is free to play, and they do have cash prizes up for grabs in some fixtures each week. Um Last week, Wes, I think we were both playing in the United Liverpool yeah. game. Was two hundred and fifty quid was up for grabs? Yeah, yeah, we had we had a go on that and did it did okay in that one. I just missed out on the cash prizes though. But yeah, it was um it was certainly nice to uh, take your mind off FPL if you if it's not going well. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I'd recommend anyone listening, go and check out Fanslide. The link is in the description to download the app and have a look. Let us know what you think. Any questions, feel free to reach out. Check it. 
so before we get into all your questions, I think it's only fair, um, based on the stature of the man, General, Mark, we need to get you to introduce yourself, tell us a bit about your season this year, um, your journey in FPL to date. For anyone listening, he's probably going to be a bit modest, but um, Mark is legitimately one of the best FPL players there is, there is out there, um, that can't mm. be disputed. So, Mark, do you want to maybe tell us a bit about yourself? Yeah, sure. First thing I'll say is there's plenty of better FPL managers out there than me, but I have... Ah, you have to say that. I have, um, I've had a few good seasons, to be fair. I had three top 500s, and this season is going well. So it's good, good to get on the podcast and be able to say that before things go tits up over the next couple of weeks. So <laughs> uh, for, made it, played the free hit this week. It's going well. So I think I'm ranked currently about 2,500 before the Liverpool game on the Thursday night. So hopefully things can can continue in that vein and hopefully another big finish this season. Uh, playing FPL a long time, you know, as long as I can remember, you know, transferred over from Championship Manager into FPL and never looked back. And probably about two years ago now, I uh, managed to turn FPL into a full-time gig like Wes. So living the dream and, you know, long may it continue. Very lucky and, you know, grateful to have the Premier League these days with, with everything else that's going on in the world. You know, both for an escape from it and also for for an income, also. So yeah, yeah, very very grateful. Yeah, and just just before we move on from, I just wanted to put a real sort of heartfelt almost message to Mark as someone who's obviously he he kind of put us in touch, John, in terms of I said this on an earlier pod, but I'll repeat it for anyone who missed it. Me and John did a video at the start of this season, first time me and John met, and that was through an introduction from from Mark. And um, yeah, Mark's really supported myself when I went into the sort of full-time world of FPL sort of August 2020, so the start of this season. Um, obviously, the leap from, a, you know, uh, having a well-paid regular job in, in, you know, the normal world to sort of freelance style self-employed work through FPL can be kind of daunting when you've got, you know, mortgage and kids and stuff. So Mark was a huge help, took time out of his day. We had a phone call and just, yeah, can't speak highly enough him as a man. And he's annoyingly good at FPL and smashing both me and John this year. Yeah, yeah. No, I, th- I think, again, this is, this is a nice little like trio of loving, but um, I suppose I'd never really made FPL content, but played it for a long time, never took it too seriously. And then you two straight off the bat made content with me, which... <laughs> kind of made me it kind of drew me to the fpl community because i'm involved in other spaces within kind of the gambling sector you could say and you know there's a lot of competition a lot of people who don't want to work with each other a lot of affiliations and you know sort of background politics whereas you two two of the biggest and best accounts out there straight off the bat when i asked you were like yeah let's do something so look here we are again yeah it's nice nice to see you know it's that's the best thing about the fpl community you know 99 percent of people are very helpful and willing to help mm. each other out and um you know i've had pl- plenty of phone calls with people who you know are considering taking the leap to full time and it's just you know reassuring them and, and kind of just giving them that little nudge that they, they need really because yeah. uh, it is scary of course if you're if you're leaving a job to to completely change your career but it's nice you know things like that you know putting the youtube boys in touch and then seeing a, a great new fpl podcast pop up out mm. of it it's it's nice for me to sit back and watch that yeah. Yeah, I think it's because the spaces I'm used to working in, you know, there's a lot of, like, people do, like, play platforms on our own, things like Football Index, out of, not, they might love the platform, but there's a lot of money involved, whereas FPL is such a, it's a free-to-play, you know, okay, you might have mini-leagues and stuff, but, I mean, it's, a lot of people are very passionate about the game and the platform and the football and how it enhances your your football watching experience and I think that love yeah. kind of shines through in the content and the community but anyway again we're getting very deep we haven't talked about FPL yet so uh, <laughs> yeah. we'll go straight in um, to FPL SWAT's question as we consider those incredible city defensive assets is a treble up too much of a risky ploy with a pep side um, I don't know who wants to take this one first yeah I'll take it it's um because it's something I'm thinking about actually mm. I've got uh, my current city treble up is De Bruyne Cancelo and Diaz so obviously De Bruyne has a flag now so we need to wait and see what the situation there is mm. so if he does get reeled out for a game week or two I think I'll let him go and the decision then is I guess do you just go straight to Gundogan who I think is only about 5.5 million and is absolutely smashing it these days or do you go or do I go for John Stones who obviously smashed it in the double game week and I don't know if I've ever tripled up on a defence in FPL certainly not in the last three or four seasons but I think if ever there was a time I was going to do it, it's probably now. I like the idea of getting stones in, going triple city, because they've got very nice fixtures coming yeah. up. There could be three or four more clean sheets to come on the bounce. And all of them are a goal threat. 
Um, Stones is looking much better in the opposition penalty area now as well. We know Diaz is a huge threat. Somehow hasn't scored yet. Uh, and Cancelo. Cancelo's a beast when he plays. Yeah. Uh, very unlucky so far. So, yeah, I really do like the triple up. And I can see myself doing it in the near future if KDB is ruled out for a while. Yeah, and I think what FPL SWAT uh, Duncan was alluding to was with the Pep thing was kind of the rotation aspect, but it hasn't been, you know, Stones and Diaz have been nailed on for a long time now. They will possibly get the odd rest rather than, you know, Pep in the past is properly rotated where you can't actually pick a player. If you have a player that gets the odd rest, like Cancelo's got in this double game week, fine, you know, if he gets rested one game, one league game out of, say, 10, that's not sort of, you know, classic pep roulette. That is just, you know, a player having a rest. It can happen to the likes of, you know, Andy Robertson or whatever. So there isn't as much rotation these days. I think he did say something along the lines of, you know, Laporte and Ake might be back soon or definitely maybe not Ake. I think Laporte. So maybe he'll like take a bit of their game time. But yeah, I wouldn't be worried too much about rotation. They're good assets. They're priced cheaper than obviously the Liverpool guys. They're clean sheets this year. You know, City have transformed from a, you know, a sort of 4-5-1 type of team every week to like a 1-2-0 team kind of thing if you know yeah. what I mean so um, yeah really good assets there for, for me I've only got one City at the minute and I haven't got I was thinking about bringing De Bruyne this week but like you said he's, he's flagged now so he might be an injury worry um, so yeah for my personal team I might not even have double City defence which might end up being a mistake obviously their defence is awesome at the minute but I'm fairly happy with my defence um, mm, but yeah thinking about it, I don't know if I should sort of revisit, revisit that thought and kind of bite the bullet and go for double city defence. It's a tough one, but yeah, I think it's definitely a viable option now, the triple uh, city defence. However, what I would say is if they do go back to being, um, if they do start getting on the goal trail again, it then blocks getting, so say if De Bruyne's out for maybe three or four game weeks, but you want him back at that point, then you're going to have to definitely take out one of them to get him back in. So it does block a city attacker should, you know, Aguero or De Bruyne start firing late on in the season. Yeah, that's the tricky side of it. Yeah. I think I think the defence, I've got two of them. I don't know if I have the balls to go for three, but again, it's that it's the flexibility, particularly in a season like this, that I think I'd like to maybe just have the two and maybe go um, for a midfielder. And that, that segues yeah. me into a point I wanted to bring up, and it's, it's money in the bank. A sensible move for a lot of people next week is going to be, um, and when I say sensible, that's obviously just from my, my perspective. A lot of people might think it's crazy, but... Kevin De Bruyne de Gundogan, you know, you're going from yeah. penalty taker to penalty taker. Now that uh, De Bruyne is out, we know Gundogan's on penalties. He's known for them. Um, he's looked great. He's looked very advanced in actual open play. He's probably yeah. looked like he's going to score more goals goals in KDB from open play this season. And 100%. but but there's almost this. It's like a psychology thing. It it's this game of I don't want five six million in the bank, and yeah, people don't yeah. want to take a minus eight. Uh, point hit to redistribute that money and, and upgrade the team elsewhere maybe all in one week so w- what do you say to people who maybe want to go KDB to Gundogan or a similar type transfer there's a couple of them um, and yeah. have so, that much money in the bank yeah no is that, I, I'd be fine with that like if I, I don't have De Bruyne but if I did and even I've got I've got Salah so it's a kind of similarish dilemma where Salah's underperforming in my opinion, De Bruyne is actually underperforming as well in terms of his open play goals, like you just said, John. Um, and he's obviously getting ticking over the assists. But for, for De Bruyne's price, I think he's possibly, over the course of the season, he has underperformed. But with those fixtures, it was obviously a good decision having De Bruyne in. Uh, but like I said, Gundogan's now got four goals in his last five games. Um, he's only got five goals all season. So those goals have come as a result of playing uh, in a different position as a sort of an attacking number eight rather than a, a sort of holding midfielder. Um, obviously the last game was a penalty but before then was a really nice goal against Crystal Palace wasn't it from the edge of the area he blanked against Brighton when myself and a lot of other people free-hitted him in so that was quite frustrating but even in that game John I think we both free-hitted him in hadn't we and he was um, looking really dangerous in that game I think Eva was did he he would have assisted De Bruyne for his good chance that he missed he had a had a couple of shots I think I can't actually fully remember but I do remember thinking he was you know relatively unlucky not to pick something up there so yeah he's a good pick and the psychology thing with that, I have it as well, to be honest. I'll try not to, but that thing about, you know, you kind of think, oh, I'm taking De Bruyne out, therefore I should get Salah or I should get uh, Mane or Rashford or Son or someone, someone similar-ish to price. But yeah, why not go someone like Gundogan and have that, you know, six million-ish in the bank. And then as soon as you want, maybe Antonio gets injured again or Watkins. So I've got Watkins, for example. You can just go Watkins or Antonio up to Harry Kane without having to take a minus. Mm. Yeah, this is. Do you know what? I actually look at this just before we start recording because the the easy sensible move is just move KDB to Gundogan. Um, you know, ignore the prices because mm. really 
Gundogan is playing like a 10 million asset at the moment. So just you know, make that transfer. I, I looked at it. I think I would have 7.6 million in the bank, and I don't care. You know, you don't have to <laughs> yeah. spend all your money to do well in FPL. And and like Wade said, it it leaves you so much more flexible later. I could, for example, do KDB to Gundogan this week, and then the following week I could turn Suchek or Anguissa into Hyungman Son. You know, or or as Wade said, turn turn a Watkins into a Harry Kane. And still have money in exactly. The bank. So yeah, don't worry. If you're if KDB does get ruled out, don't feel like you need to buy an expensive asset. You know, forget about mm. the prices. Go on yeah. the performances. The, you know, Gundogan is a ten million player at the moment, so don't feel like you know don't not get him just because he's whatever five point five million. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, hundred percent agree with that. And it's a bit like with with players like I saw people earlier on in the season favouring. Uh, it's a West Ham example like Bowen over Sojcek or certain players over Sojcek and it's like well Sojcek's priced at 5 million but he's actually performing much better than that so you know you've got to, we put players on pedestals I guess by by their prices and I, I'm 100% guilty of this as well like I will each week bench either Lookman or Sojcek rather than maybe uh, say a Bamford if he's got a tough fixture or something like that so I think you've got to try and get out of that mindset as much as you can it's funny because it's quite counterintuitive. You should almost want the cheaper players because they leave more money for elsewhere. But yeah, in, yeah <laughs> but 100%. you don't. You kind of just it makes you feel funny having so much money. You want bank. that shiny. You want that shiny exactly. sort of. Um, but the one thing on so that's a more general general point of view about having more money in the bank. And in terms of Gundogan, how he's Gundogan, how he's playing at the minute, I hundred percent agree. He is an asset who should be like general said. He's playing like a ten million asset. Um, I don't know what you guys think in terms of. Maybe this is overthinking or I'm definitely not trying to scare anyone off Gundogan because, like I said, I had him on my free hit and I might even go there myself. But I just do worry that because he can play certain, he can play different roles, will he then, you know, at some point will his role change again and he be more of a defensive midfielder or will he go back to being... Because early on in the season, he wasn't even nailed on. He was a bench player. First three game weeks he didn't play, then 25 minutes, 90 minutes, then five minutes. So he was a player who wasn't even nailed on. Now he is nailed on at the minute, but football can obviously change and evolve. So... I don't know, I guess it's worth keeping an eye on how, if his position does change, you've got to have kind of maybe an exit route. Because if you did then spend all that money, that 5.5 million range, there's not a lot out there other than obviously the likes of sort of Lookman and Soycheck. So just bear that in mind in the future, his position may change. Yeah, no, I get you. Yeah, I think, you know what, the the main attraction is um, he stepped up to take that penalty. So if, yeah. if, De, Bruyne, if De Bruyne does... If it's if it's muscular and it's a couple of weeks, it's a no brainer if you get the Man City penalty taker. Five, While five he is five. playing yeah. more advanced, we know that could change. You yeah. know, Pep could change at any time, but at the moment it looks like a no brainer. Yeah, hundred um, percent. And again, like John mentioned, with if you go three city defenders, you are pretty inflexible for the future. So so yeah. maybe I think you, you boys are probably talking me into going to one a little bit more. Yeah. And also was he I don't know why, maybe because it was the ninetieth minute and he'd played all ninety and Sterling was fresh or Sterling maybe just took the ball confidently, but um, was it the Palace game? I can't, I'm getting well, the games mixed up in my head. There's so many football games on at the minute. But at the Sterling penalty miss in the last minute, Gundogan was still on the pitch, I believe. Um, so he definitely should have t- taken that one as well because he has got a good record. I, I remember he, he used to take them for City a couple of years ago when Aguero was out and he kind of has a really nice run-up and then just always seems to send the keeper the wrong way. So yeah, I, I can see him keeping penalties because especially there was some big players on the pitch last night when he did step up to take it. I'm thinking Jesus was on the pitch. Um, Mares and Sterling were all on, I think, and he was obviously above them all in the pecking order. So that's a good sign. Yeah, he's been he's been on penalties for a lot as as long as I can remember. But he's on the pitch; he's always in with a chance of taking it. If KDB is there, it's, it's normally KDB. But if KDB isn't, Gundogan's usually the man. So I, I was I think he, was he on the pitch was whenever Sterling took it because if he was, that's really surprising. Like, I think he was. He'd probably um, take it next time anyway. <laughs> I doubt I think Sterling will get them. Hit. Yeah, so Sterling won't get them now. So. <laughs> Yeah, I think he was. I could be wrong. I don't know. Um, I would fancy him to have them, but, to be honest with you. Anyway, so um, yeah, yeah, and and he took the last one and scored it. So I'd, I'd say that's a shoe in. Uh, Jamie Powell with the next question, and it's kind of sticking on the defensive sort of side of things, which is interesting and nice because normally we we quite often focus on the big hitters up front, but it's nice to to cover defense once in a while. Jimmy Powell, man, you fixtures look good next seven game weeks. Worth investing in defense there. If so, which players? So, Wes, I suppose um, Mark took the last one to start. What, what do you think, Wes? So, with Man United assets, they're sort of, I think their go-to back four when everyone's fit is sure, but obviously there's a little bit of rotation risk with Telus there, who's, I guess, settling into the Premier League, possibly a better player, but Shaw is definitely up to his game this year. Then there's Lindelof and Maguire as, I think, the, 
this main centre of my partnership. Uh, Mark's obviously a Man United fan who might know a little bit more than myself. And Wan Bissaka's nailed. So I guess for nailedness, uh, you'd go for sort of Wan Bissaka or Maguire, pay the little bit extra. But for that sort of attack threat, I do. Yeah, I, I, I really wouldn't. I'd really like. I don't obviously want to wish an injury on a player, but I'd like Telles to be out for a couple of months, and therefore, you know, you could hang your hat on Luke Shaw because he is quite cheap still. I think. I think he's around four point eight. He's on corners. He's obviously playing in the Man United side, a good Man United side now with a good set of fixtures. Sheffield United at home next, so yeah, I, I'd like Luke Shaw, but I don't know. Mark maybe. Um, can offer more on this in terms of Telus. For me, in my mind, I'm just worried that Shaw is going to lose his place at any time or or start, you know, sharing game time like some fullbacks used to do, didn't they, for certain clubs to like literally play every other game? Yeah, it's um Shaw's probably been our best player over the last couple of weeks. So yeah. he definitely has upped his game, but that's not really enough to give me confidence to put him in because I think over the next couple of weeks in particular, there is going to be, you know, probably two game weeks a week, you know, so you're still talking a game every three or four days for most teams. So there will be rotation when you've got someone like Tellez, he's bound to get the odd game, you know, maybe in the easier fixtures, no matter how well Shaw is playing. Mm. So I think if you go with my United defender, which I think is a good idea because I'm looking at the next six weeks here and they're second on the fixture ticker. They've got the likes of Sheffield United, Southampton, Everton, West Brom and Newcastle. So there should be a few clean sheets in there. Harry Maguire, I don't think you look past him because there's doubts at centre-back as well. Bay and Lindelof have been sharing game time. Juan Bissaka yeah. doesn't offer that much going forward. He's a great defender, but he's not very good in the final third. And when you watch United, you know when Shaw and Bruno are swinging in those corners, Maguire has probably two chances a game. Yeah. It was the same It was the same this week. Um, I think he put two headers wide, one over and one wide. So... Before long, surely Maguire will find the back of the net with a few of those. So I know, yeah. I'm, I, I keep thinking, especially back to sort of uh, his Leicester days. I, again, I haven't. I'm not looking at any stats, so I could be completely wrong on this. But he definitely seemed to be more of an attacking threat, or more. He just seemed to score more uh, before coming to United. But yeah, he he definitely has that potential. He's he's they aim corners at him essentially. He's he is good in the air. And maybe he just needs, you know, John Stones hadn't scored in God knows how many games. And then all of a sudden he's scored in the League Cup and then he scored two in the league. So it could be a similar thing for Maguire in the easier fixtures. A few more corners in those games, maybe a couple more chances. And he actually puts them away, maybe. So, yeah, Maguire could be a good shout. And they're re- all Man United defenders are reasonably priced, aren't they? You've either got the cheaper ones. Yeah, I think Maguire's only about 5.4. Yeah, exactly right there. Yeah, I've got him up now. Him and uh, Wambasaka are both 5.4, so there's no sort of price difference to sway you there for the two most nailed ones. Um, so I, I'd agree with Mark. I'd possibly favour Harry Maguire. Wambasaka fairly good for bonus, though. He's got what, They've both got one goal, one assist this year, so pretty. they've both been pretty weak on the, um, on the attacking front. But yeah, I would... If I had to hang my hat on one of those, it would be Maguire. And I do always like nailed players because there's nothing worse than having that player where you don't know if they're going to... You know, if Shaw gets the last five minutes in an easy fixture where Man United have got the three points and the clean sheet, it's going to be really frustrating. So nailed players is a you know real big thing for me and most FPL managers, I guess. Yeah, I, I could sit and repeat both years, but bottom line is, yeah, I, th- I think United are obviously decent options and same price bracket. If I had to pick between them and City, I'd go the City route. But if you have space for both in your defence... It's hard to pick between the two of those. Sorry to interrupt, John. I just wanted to touch. I just wanted to ask uh, you guys' opinion. I think you've got Rashford as well, John. Um, obviously, so I'm now thinking Rashford's annoying me slightly, but it's one of those where he's just had a he's just actually had his rest, and he's not, and obviously he's got those good fixtures coming up. And before that, he was in reasonable reasonable form. Um, well, actually, maybe not so great. He did get an assist against Burnley, a couple of goals before then. But my point is, you know, he's got good fixtures coming up. He has got that attacking threat. He's now he is a nailed-on player normally, who's just had his rest. So it's one of those where I'd probably rather have Son in that sort of price bracket. But can I justify taking him out before you know Sheffield United at home and the fixtures we've just alluded to are pretty good? That's actually one of the dilemmas I have this week. Now I think the De Bruyne injury might actually sort of take my attention away from removing Rashford. But if everything else was hunky dory, the kind of one player on my team I'm looking at is Rashford, do you know, off, I got him in specifically for the doubles and he's went and got me <laughs> yeah. three points. Um, yeah. He's got Sheffield though and as um, the guy who asked the question, sorry, I think it was Jamie, alluded to, United do have a good run of fixtures now so part of me really wants to keep him but again for that price, it's it's a tough one. Um, 
Mark, what do you think on Rashford? Rashford is one of the most frustrating FPL players to own. I don't think I've had him this season. Maybe on maybe on free hit, but but that was probably about it. Um, I just think he's quite unreliable for his price tag. Uh, you know, he gets a lot of good chances, but he misses a lot of good chances. Recent weeks as well, yeah, he's been playing on the right quite a few times, which I don't like for yeah, him as much. That. Yeah, there's a lot of yeah, no near There's a good. lot of options for Ole at the minute. Cavani had a very good game last night. You know, Greenwood, Martial, Bruno. It's quite hard to fit them all in. So this might not be the last time that we see Rashford on the bench, which sounds crazy to say, but there's a lot of options there. Um, in terms of if I had him, what would I do? I would keep him for Sheffield United when Son plays Liverpool. And then the week after, I would probably get Son in for Rashford then. Yeah, that's the, yeah, that's the, that makes a lot of sense. That is a sensible play, isn't it? Yeah, you can't you can't really justify that transfer before really. Yeah, Rashford's the kind of player. He's he's what is he about nine and a half million? Are you ever going to captain him? You can't really trust him with a captaincy. Whereas someone like Son, you definitely can. So when it, when a player gets close to ten million and you don't have faith in them to captain them, some weeks I think it's it's time to let them go. Yeah, I agree with all that. Another midfield dilemma, and I'll throw this one at you, General, is Imran Fariz has asked James Madison or Jack Grealish for the upcoming game weeks. Now I have Grealish, and he's been kind of... He hasn't been getting those attacking returns, but he does have an explosive one in him. He's shown four double-digit returns already this season, but it's been five or six games in the bounce now without very much back from him. Um, Now we'll see. We're recording this before the Newcastle game, so maybe when you're listening to this, he's just went and scored a hat-trick. But Grealish or Madison, what are your thoughts, Mark? Yeah, it's a tough one. Uh, it seems to come up every season at some point, whether it's us FPL managers talking about these two or if it's England fans talking about them. But obviously, Madison's the man in form at the moment. Um, you know, he talked in that interview after the game as well. Really good interview about you know working on his game. How can he find find you know a way to score more goals? You know, he mentioned Frank Lampard trying to trying to be more like Lampard arriving late in the box and stuff. Um, but again, he's. He's a bit like Rashford. In the past, Madison has been extremely frustrating. Uh, I've seen a stat as well when I was watching the game. I think Leicester have had 96 corners and they've scored zero goals from them. So Madison's, you know, he puts in good deliveries, but for some reason, they just haven't been finding the back of the net with those. You know, if he could chip in with a few more of those as well, goals and assists. I mean, he's looking like a very good option. He was, I've added him to my watch list this week, along with Harvey Barnes, who's also a good option. Yeah. If I had to decide right now which one, would I pick? I think I would still favour Grealish. I think I would have more faith in Grealish to be consistent long term mm-hmm. rather than Madison who's in form at the moment but I'm not convinced if he will continue to do so. Yeah, 100% will echo a lot of what Mark just said in terms of um, being frustrating to own. Both Madison, I had Harvey Barnes at the start of the season, frustrated me there, ended up kind of being semi-rotated or not reliable to start, had to get rid of him. Likewise, for well, Madison in previous seasons has been nailed on, but then he's kind of like run the, run the show, but then not really got the attacking returns. Kind of like what Grealish is doing for Villa now, like being like you watch him and you think, wow, that player's man of the match. But then you look at and then El Ghazi and Traore are getting the tap ins or whatever. But um, yeah, in terms of what you know, what you're getting with Grealish in terms of when you get Grealish in, as long as he's fit, he's playing ninety minutes week in week out. Um, so yeah. For, and Villa were playing well at the minute. So, well, so Leicester, to be fair. It's tough. They're both good options. If I had to put my neck on the line and choose one, uh, Madison for the goal threat at the minute. And the, and the form, the current form has to be taken into account. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. If I have to go one way or the other, don't I? Like, yeah. It's a tough one. Uh, I have Grealish, and for that reason, I'd probably stick because I've had him for a while. I think he's due a big haul. Maybe that's a stupid reason. Um... But, I mean, both have decent fixtures. I'd probably stick with Grealish because I have him, but if I was independent and bringing one in, maybe saving the point three and getting Madison in would make more sense. But I'm not going to waste a transfer on it personally at the minute. And when I say waste... The other thing, the other thing in, in... Sorry to cut in, John. The other thing in Grealish's favour as well is that, you know, they've they've got a double game week at some point, which could could come soon. I think according to Ben Creel, that Villa-Everton game could be game week 23. Uh, obviously not confirmed yet, but... That might swing yeah. it in, in Grealish's favour that he's got more fixtures to play as well. Yeah, yeah good shout actually, Mark. And also just to remind our listeners, uh, something we were just talking about on air before, like us three guys, well, me especially, I almost missed the fact that um, there will be some kind of smaller double game weeks coming up for the likes of, like you just said, Aston Villa and Man City should have a smallish, well, in the scheme of the whole game, it should be a smallish double game week, sort of week 23, 24, and then a bigger double game week, week 26. So, 
getting in those Man City players for the double and Aston Villa, where you're not going to really want to be like going all out for, you know, every player isn't going to be able to be a double gaming player in those weeks, you'd think. Um, that's where, you, you know, in week 26, you can do that. But yeah, in the short term, getting those players in, good players, good short-term fixtures even without doubles and then the double the double game weeks when they get announced is just going to be an added bonus you'll have uh, a head start on your mini league rivals potentially if you if you target those players definitely um and i'd provide you a good opportunity i suppose that bench boost ways but maybe you're better saving it a bit later in the season um yeah i just might pretend to use it again and just keep just, just keep never pretending using at least at least you'll have at least you'll have two of them for next season though that's yeah. it <laughs> um so let me see here. We've got a couple of questions um, that are quite similar we'll cover here. So Alan Fable has said, if Salah blanks versus Burnley, is it time to replace him with another player? And Fadi Emil has said, what to do with Salah? Um, so a lot of people are are thinking of shipping um, Mo out. Yeah. What, what are your thoughts on this, Wiz? So yeah, if you, if you look at the last eight games for Liverpool... In, in, in an eight-game section, so the, for the for the first four, he had goal and assist versus Wolves, followed by a goal against Fulham, goal against Spurs, two goals and an assist off the bench against Palace. So you're thinking, right, Salah's bang on form, you know, scoring in every game leading up to it, and he's even come off the bench there, so he's had his kind of mini rest, so he's going to start getting 90 minutes, blah, blah, blah. And his fixtures were good, West Brom, Newcastle, Southampton, uh, and then Man United as part of a double. But in those next four games, he's got nothing. Liverpool themselves have only scored one goal in those last four games, none in their last three. I can't. I actually can't believe what I'm reading here. One all against West Brom at home, okay, maybe a freak. Then nil-nil against Newcastle, a loss one-nil away at Southampton, and then a nil-nil against Man United, okay, big game, fine. But yeah, this literally, you know, we we've been waxing. Everyone's been waxing Liverpool about Liverpool's front three for the last three, four years. Salah, Mane, Firmino, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But they've looked really like I don't know. I'm not so I'm a, I've got Salah as captain. Uh, I always I pretty much always back Salah throughout. You know he's been very consistent since joining Liverpool. Um, just always gets returns basically. Uh, but now I'm just worried. Like I've got him as captain. He's still got Burnley's play obviously at the time of recording. But I'm I'm not I'm not particularly confident. And that's not just being a pessimist because he's my captain. I just get a feeling watching Liverpool. They're kind of huffing and puffing, and they're not causing Salah and Mane aren't causing the worries to defences and goalkeepers that they usually do um, I don't know if it's a mini blip three four games isn't a, a large amount of time especially off you know it wasn't so long ago they put seven past Palace so I really don't don't I can't really get my head around it I hope I'm wrong and I hope Salah's back tonight with a, with a bang obviously but yeah uh, for me if he does blank in that game if Liverpool look poor going forwards slash Salah looks poor I will potentially look to get rid um, depends on obviously if De Bruyne's injury hadn't occurred it would have been an easier transfer for myself because Obviously, like we've alluded to with Man City, um, so yes, yeah, a dilemma. I'm really thinking about Salah out. Mark, what do you reckon? Yeah, Salah is always a tricky one. Um, the way when it comes to Salah with me, when I own him, and, and if, if if the form dries up a little bit, I ask myself how often will I captain him over the next you know five or six weeks? And I've I've got the fixture ticker here. Next six weeks, uh, Liverpool are actually bottom of the ticker. They've got some good defenses to play against in there: Spurs, West Ham, Man City, mm-hmm. Leicester. And then they've got the Merseyside Derby as well. So will I captain Salah often over the next six game weeks? I think the answer is no. Probably in that Brighton game, if if he looks, if Liverpool look better and Salah looks better, but that makes me think: could I mm. lose him for a while and spend the cash more wisely? And that will bring me up maybe to give me twenty five, twenty six when there's an opportunity to pay, play the second wild card anyway. So you could just get him back in quite easily on a, on a second wild card. So if he blanks against Burnley. I wouldn't stop anybody from selling them. Looking at the fixtures, looking at the form, and given that I wouldn't feel overly confident about captaining them over the next six game weeks. It's 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 kind of the perfect storm in a way in midfield this week for conversation points because Kevin De Bruyne and Salah have almost been interchangeable through the season. Bruno has been somewhat of a season keeper for many, but De Bruyne and, and Salah, a lot of people are kind of going between with form, with with fixtures, and do you know if if. Kevin De Bruyne has got an injury and he is out for maybe three or four weeks and Salah's not bagging and he does do shout tonight um, or tomorrow night whenever that game is starts tonight isn't it um, you know you know, people will have to probably take that unless they take a big point hit to redistribute funds up front or elsewhere or maybe they don't have the likes of Fernandez and Son etc but what I'm getting at is this could be a week where we have record amounts sat in people's banks <laughs> do you know yeah exactly yeah with the Salah and the De Bruyne conundrum and, and players like Gundogan doing well 
or even if you went down to someone like Son, like I just sort of said about earlier, even going to Son puts like three, three-ish million in the bank. So there will be money in the bank. And like like we've said earlier, it's a good thing. You can just look at it in my team. If someone like, if I want to upgrade Soychek or Lookman, like Mark said earlier, you can do so to any player you want. Bamford or Watkins get an injury. I can go straight to Harry Kane, no problem. And then in defence, I can easily get another City player, et cetera, et cetera. So yeah, I think Salah, they've got to just, when they are that, you know, Salah and De Bruyne, we give them kind of a hard, hard time when they blank or, you know, the whole thing about De Bruyne not scoring many open play goals, Salah now drying up. We rightly give them a harder time because of their price tag. And like Mark says, like you've got a 12.3 or whatever Salah is now. Um, asset, 12.5, sorry. Um, asset and you're only going to captain him once in the next six because of their fixtures. And, and I, I agree with that. I wouldn't captain him away at Tottenham pro- when other players are on the form and only like Brighton at home in week 22 probably so yeah I think like Matt said I wouldn't stop anyone selling Salah um, but yeah I think wait and see for the Burnley game and, and reassess On the topic of captaincy I'm just looking at the fixtures here as well because you've got Liverpool and Spurs bottom of the ticker for the next six weeks so there's you know Kane, Son, Salah, Mane you've got question marks over them. If KDB's out for a couple of weeks, captaincy's going to be become really tricky over the next couple of weeks if, if we lose those big guys or have doubts over them. So it, it could be a very interesting couple of weeks. Set and forget Bruno. Yeah, it could or be. Or John Stones, your pick. <laughs> Definitely not John Stones. Uh, yeah, United's fixtures. I don't, yeah, I, I, I almost feel more confident these days in like when Salah's got a tough game or even versus, like, I feel like Salah versus Burnley. I just feel like Tarkovsky, Tarkovsky, me and Pope will just stifle uh, Salah. You know, I could be being pessimistic. I don't know. But with Spurs, I feel like maybe Kane and Son can do better in the bigger games uh, with a bit of space in behind. Or So I don't know. I, I feel like maybe more confident with Son in a tougher game than I do Salah nowadays. Um, but again, that might be just sort of, you know, in your own head, you kind of, I haven't got Son at the minute, whereas I do have Salah. So you kind of fear the one you don't have and then you kind of, and not that excited about the one you do you have. You want what you can't yeah. have. Yeah, with. it's kind of that maybe, I don't know. The way I look at it at the moment, Son versus Salah, Son's a better player at the moment, and he's playing in a team that's performing better at the moment. So I think we I think we get bogged down by our previous experiences with players, and I think Salah's a very good example. We're very reluctant to sell him because he's been so good to us for probably two and a half, three years. Whereas if you were new to FPL this season, and you've never seen a Premier League season before this, would you sell him? You probably would sell him without in a heartbeat. You know, you wouldn't be yeah. drawn on previous experiences. Yeah, he's not the. I don't want to say he's not the player he was, but in terms of his output in goals and assists, it's obvious to say. But he he's he's not. It's not the same team. Like he was getting a lot of tap-ins for Liverpool before, and I think I've seen a stat that he hasn't had a shot inside the six-yard box. So he's not getting those really easy tap-ins like he Liverpool's style was maybe changed slightly. I remember Robertson used to whip them kind of six-yard line. And Salah was there for tappings. It's not happened as much now. So yeah, there's definitely less fear factor with Salah. Um, he will get goals and assists, of course he will, but so will other players for less money. And like Mark said earlier, maybe more chance of captaining them. So yeah, I'm actually all for people getting rid of Salah and bringing him back in on a wild card, sort of week 24, week 25 or whatever. Well, we'll take our last questions of the day. Um, two similar-ish questions, but I think this is an interesting kind of Tangent to go off on. It's not. It's not your your regular question. It's not about this game week, but it's interesting nonetheless. Maroni says, "What changes would you make to the game itself, or what annoys you the most the way it is now?" And James Keatley also said in a separate question, "What new chip would you like to see introduced for the to the game next season?" He'd like a billionaire takeover chip, one week with no budget limit. Um, and Fatty Emil sort of tells him below that that's a called a limitless chip on UCL Fantasy. So, lads, what's bugging you? And is there a chip you'd like to see? General, do you want to go for that one? Yeah, I've, I've said this quite a few times over the, over the years. If I if I was in charge, uh, t- take away captaincy right away. I, I hate captaincy. Um, I'm doing better at it this season, but that it's that's not really why I don't like it. It's because what it does is, this week, for example, I have Bruno Fernandes in my team. I've got Salah in my team. But didn't captain them, so I don't want them yeah. to score. You know, you, it's it's bloody awful watching mm-hmm. games, not wanting one of your players. You've picked him in your team because you're going to back him to do well. But then when he's in your team, you don't want him to do well because of so many captainers and triple captainers. It actually damages your rank if they do well then. So that captaincy is a nightmare and there's 
obviously it adds a lot of variance to the game as well you know one game week anything can happen in a very unpredictable sport so captaincy is is what i would remove that's what annoys me most about the game uh, in terms of chips i would remove all of them as well i would strip it back make it very boring no captaincy no chips because i think it levels the playing field but obviously that's not going to happen so i've been playing fantasy scotland this season and they've got quite a different um system and I, I've, I've really enjoyed it actually one thing they do is your your bench order doesn't matter so you've got f- you know your three mm. subs but it's your highest scoring player will come on every week that's nice so you know if there, if there was a chip like that or or maybe you played a chip in one game week where you get your highest bench player in for just one game week or something like you know double captains for a week where you get you know double points for your captain and your vice mm. captain something like that yeah i i really like that i've said before as well about the captain thing you're watching i think in my free hit week i had kane and son and i was actually haven't had them for a while i was looking forward to having them for a nice home fixture and then i realized because i'd captained whoever it was salah or DeWarren or whatever um i didn't i was watching the spurs game with those two players on my team so it's like brilliant like i've got to watch this game they're in my team but i don't even want them to score if they do score it's obviously less of a detriment than not having them at all but yeah it's it's it is it is rubbish when you're you've only got 11 players to cheer for anyway so it's hard enough as it is because there's your mini league rivals are gonna have you know loads more different players so it's already hard enough to you know dodge mini league rivals getting points on your whatever then to add captaincy into it yeah it's just a real bummer not being able to cheer for your players like Matt says it's, it's not about being good or bad at picking captains or unlucky or lucky or whatever it's just about that that experience of not actually being able to want your own player to score it's, it's a weird one and I think yeah Bruno got an assist last night didn't he and I wasn't I didn't even know if I if I if that was good for me I had him but he wasn't my captain um, another change I'd make would be just a bonus point system like if there's a drab sort of game, like a drab one all with like an own goal and another goal, someone will get free bonus for doing very little. Whereas if it's like a 5-4 game, a player might even score a brace, but someone else has got a hat trick, someone else has done whatever and they only get the one bonus. So I think maybe bonus should be distributed. Uh, maybe in like in those better, bigger games, more people get sort of the three, four bonus points or whatever. And then in the less games, they get capped. So like a, a percentage, if that makes sense. Uh, but apart from that, yeah, I think a lot of people often suggest like, oh, watch it, like FPL should do this, FPL should do that. At the end of the day, it's a very popular game. And if it's not broken, don't fix it. So I'd be very wary of them actually changing too much. Uh, so yeah, definitely don't record. I definitely wouldn't want them to s- sort of revamp it all. Um, yeah. I think from FPL's perspective, like the likes of the captaincy, while I think you could make a really strong argument for it, whenever they sit in their little um, conference room, they're looking at it and they're probably going, right, we remove ca- we remove captaincy, I don't know, 10, 15, 20% of users say, fuck this, I don't like it anymore. If we don't remove captaincy, yeah. the people who don't like captaincy will still play, exactly, because yeah. it's all they've known. So they're not going to, I can't see them making such no, a drastic change. I, 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 the, the bonus point, Sorry, Wes. No, I was just going to say on that. I think as well, they they probably want. I guess it's like a marketing thing. They want traffic to the website or to the app or whatever, don't they? So, with those decisions to make, like captaincy, it keeps people coming back on. And I think that's why they do obviously price changes every single night. So, it means that people do make changes or transfers early on in the week. Otherwise, you know, it would make no lot. There'd be zero point doing an early transfer, and everyone would just log in on one day. It's just my theory. Could be completely wrong. The the bonus points is an interesting one because what they could have there is like a threshold within the bonus points system. So like the way the bonus points are allocated, they could have if you score, I, I don't even know what the numbers are here. So let's say if, if you score 25 on the BPS, you get one bonus point. If you score 50, you get two. If you score more than 75, you get three or whatever it is. And But that could mean that on, on a six-all draw, you could have seven players in the pitch who get three bonus points. As opposed to just going three, two, one across each game, I don't know. Maybe that would be interesting. Where players who genuinely have a great game, regardless of result, you know, aren't going to be limited yeah. because of someone else on the pitch. I, I don't know. It's a tough one. That I, I don't know how that would affect the game and the bigger picture, but I, I like the idea of it. Um, lads, is there anything else there, or we have a quick look at our teams, transfers, captains for next week, and and wrap this up? Yeah, let's go for it. Let's go for it. So. I'll, I'll kick us off, I suppose, because I'm here. Um, I had a game week with a minus eight, 100 points, flying through it. The highlights for me were John Stones, Cancelo, while eight is an okay score, it was kind of a kick in the teeth based on all the goals and assists that could have been. Triple captain De Bruyne was okay, could have been worse, but wasn't great. 
um, Fernandez is there, Harry Kane and Antonio. General, I have to thank you. I listened to your amazing podcast. Everyone go and check it out, the 59th minute. And Antonio, I was human in hand between him and Watkins and I believe you said to me that he was worth a risk. Um, so I went with him and I paid off and Wes, my co-host, didn't. Um, so that makes it all the sweeter. Cheers, jump. <laughs> yeah, but to be fair now, Wes, you actually convinced me to go with Stones over Diaz. So both of you have played a, point, a part in this game week. I still have Martinez against Newcastle, Grealish against Newcastle and Leighton against Liverpool. So this is set up to be, uh, what, probably about, I don't know, 110 point week, maybe all going kind of as you would expect, maybe more, probably not less. Um, so yeah, doing well, into the top 100k for the first time this season, and we'll kick on. Wes, how did you get on? Well, we kind of have an idea, but let us all listen in. Yeah, so I kind of touched on it earlier, so I'll, I'll whiz through mine, but I think I'll probably talk more about the future. So yeah, I had a bad game week. Players like Vardy and Rashford, who you know had double game weeks, looked good on paper. Uh, just blank, did nothing. I did go Watkins over Antonio. It was a really tough decision. I liked both as options. Um, but the thing is with FPL transfers, obviously Antonio's got the 18 points now. It's hard to actually judge if it's worked or not worked yet in terms of that move because obviously Watkins, I wasn't expecting much from City. He's got Newcastle. If he does well there and then over the next few weeks does well, then it could work out. Um, but yeah, uh, Antonio, I think we discussed it, didn't we, John, off air? We was talking about Antonio, and I think you even mentioned, you mentioned General's pod then about how we'd got 90 minutes in the cup, and I've seen that as well, and that definitely did sway it towards Antonio a bit. But yeah, I just went with, I think it was a bit like our Grealish chat earlier. Like, I look, you look at Watkins, he does play 90 minutes every week. I've, I've enjoyed watching Watkins. He has been relatively unlucky at certain points with, like, marginal offside goals disallowed or missing pens or... There was that goal, wasn't there, where he, he scored it, but then it got disallowed for offside, but he was actually getting fouled by the West Ham defender, I think it was. So I think he's been unlucky-ish this season. Um, maybe in hindsight, it was the wrong decision. Obviously, uh, West Ham's fixtures were were better in the double, but I'd already I'd tripled up on West Ham with Fabianski anyway. So I think that also swayed it as well. Um, other than that, yeah, I, I, I want to talk more about the future weeks. So... Yeah, I'm in a bit of a conundrum. Like the the double city defence idea does appeal to me. So does someone like Gundogan. City's short term fixtures are good. City are going to have double game weeks, possibly sooner rather than later. So yeah, getting those players in now definitely seems smart. Um, I def I, despite the fixtures, I am really tempted to go uh, to either Kane or Son or even both. But I'm not sure yet. Like I've got a real conundrum. Like we said earlier, like Rashford's got certainly a good fixture this week. Um, but in terms of how he's performing, like we don't know if he's going to play, like Rash, uh, like General said, a lot of competition there. Um, and if he does play, is he going to play on the right where he's pretty, not useless, but he's definitely not as good. So yeah, uh, a lot of dilemmas. My overall squad's looking pretty good, but yeah, dilemmas. I kind of want Kane and Son, kind of want City players. Uh, but yeah, that's kind of me. Poor week for me. After listening, you know, I had, I think, 10 green hours in a row. I think I've got three in a row now. I'm down to around 150k-ish, I think. Actually, I don't even know. Uh, 200k in the overall rank so yeah I've, I've plummeted quite a lot but um, it's not going to affect the way I play I'm going to play my normal game and hopefully get up to those sort of top 25k-ish mark by the end of the season Fingers crossed Mark, Mark how did you get on? Yeah good game we played the bench boost currently I took a minus 8 as well so I've sold Kane, Son and Loughton for KDB captain Cancelo and Antonio so I was lucky with Antonio because I already had Watkins so I didn't have to make the which probably was a 50-50 call, really, because you've got the injury concerns over Antonio, and then Watkins has been pretty good this season and, and has more fixtures to come. So I was I was just lucky that I had um, him already and that I didn't have three West Ham guys already as well. Because when I wildcarded a few weeks ago, I did triple up on West Ham. But thankfully, Bob Wayne lost his place, mm. and then I sold him. I sold him because I knew I might mm, want yeah. Antonio for this week, so it worked out quite nicely. 121 so far, nice. so very good game week with Robertson, Salah and Watkins to go. Rank has gone from, I think, 7K to 2.5K, so hopefully he can stick around there. Hopefully Salah doesn't do too much. There's another example. I've got him, but I don't want him to do too much. Yeah, I've got my yeah. triple city, KDB, Cancelo, Diaz, so KDB may become uh, Gundogan possibly for the next game week. Justin's been a hero for me this season. Uh, Anguisa was a bit of a, a hero on my bench boost, came in with, with two bonus points and an assist despite getting a yellow card against Manchester United. So he kind of saved my bench boost because I went in, you couldn't make it up. My two goalkeepers managed to catch COVID on the bench boost, Johnston and Melier. So to get 121 with just two, two points from the goalkeeper, Kufal's in there, 
Uh, so yeah, things are going smoothly. Yeah, Cooper. Uh, future, what will I do? Like I say, if De Bruyne is injured, I was going to bank a transfer before De Bruyne got injured. If he's reeled out, I'll just probably get rid of him for either Son or Gundogan, uh, and then you know just take it from there. I'm, I'm not. I'm not really future planning this week, uh, this season. Sorry, I'm just kind of taking a game week by game week because things change so much. So there's no real long term planning involved for me recently. So just game week by game week, and that seems to be going well. Just want to touch on that, actually, Mark. I think it was literally last week, wasn't it, John, on the pod? Someone asked a question about, you know, should we, is there any point long term planning? Especially, you know, when we did the pod last week, it seemed like the Premier League was in, you know, absolute disarray. There was more, there was, there's obviously been no games cancelled so far in game week 19, but in, in, um, 17 and 18 sort of time, there was postponements and players going down with it, et cetera. And, and people were asking about long term planning. So it's interesting that you touch upon that. Maybe you could elaborate that on a bit further. I'm, uh, yeah, I'm not su- like uber long-term planning, like getting a player in for like 10 fixtures time. I'm kind of looking at it as a sort of three, four fixture week block, but maybe I should maybe turn it a bit more short-term. Um, yeah, do you know what? Maybe it's, that's it's the way not, to go. It's not just this season. I've always been very short-term, really. I'm not really a long-term planner because it's pointless because things do change, even in a normal season with injuries and you know form drops off of teams and players and stuff. So... I'm never really looking further ahead than two or three weeks. Do you, what, what, do you have a flex? Do you have a flexible sort of plan? So just to kind, to kind of get insight into how I kind of do it, is yeah, I, I I'm a bit like you. I don't have long term plans. Like some people say, like oh, I'm gonna have Salah for these six game weeks, and then six weeks game down the line, his fixtures turn, so he will become De Bruyne, blah blah. But we don't like you say we don't know the form at, at those stages yet. So I kind of try and get a, a good team in with good short term fixtures short like three to six game weeks maybe and then kind of go from there then then like kind of firefight or make changes as i see fit is that kind of what you do or maybe you can put it in better words i don't know i'm trying to think how i do it i kind of i think what by not thinking too far ahead what it allows me to do is is to stay loyal to the players i've had you know i've picked you know when i pick players i i pick them long term i never buy a player say right i'm going to have this guy for four weeks and then i'm going to sell him so i do kind of take it week by week what i'll always have in the back of my mind is fixtures you know which teams have good fixtures coming up? Is there any players in the back of my mind? For example, now Kane and Son are in the back of my mind, but I don't have a plan of how I'm going to get them. I often get messages from people. They say, I'm going to get this. I'm going to do this and give me 20. I'm going to do that and give me 21. And then I'm going to do the, that and give me 22. And then I just reply, I just say, no, you're not. Because it won't it won't go to plan because things change. And I just think exactly. it's, it's pointless. Yes, have an idea of which players and teams you want to target in the near future. Have a flexible team structure. And, and don't plan too far ahead. That's that's the way I play the game. Yeah, I think we're actually saying the exact same thing. Like that sounds exactly how I play because yeah, you can't make these intricate, exact plans for weeks down the line. It really doesn't work. And and especially this season um, because like I had, uh, so when the double game week fixtures first got announced, it actually turned out that I had a lot of those players in my team for a bench boost or whatever a few weeks ago. So I kind of at that point started then planning to, okay, I'll only bring in players who do then have a double, the likes of Rashford. But yeah, generally speaking, I'm not going to, you can't pencil in all these tran- all these kind of transfers because, you know, who's hot right now? Like I was saying about like four weeks ago, after Salah just, uh, you know, done an absolute madness against Crystal Palace off the bench, there's no way in my mind like I was going to be selling him. And likewise for yourself with De Bruyne wasn't going to go anywhere for yourself for these next five, six game weeks. But now this injury is changing things. Yeah, exactly. And therefore that has a knock-on effect on other transfers because then you'll have more money in the bank for a striker upgrade. So... Yeah, just stay flexible. Choose from a choose from a good pool of players, and then adjust to form. So, like someone like Soychek was red hot a couple of weeks ago. He's now blanked in the double. If he keeps blanking and you've got money in the bank, he might be an upgrade. But likewise, he might return to kind of form. So, yeah, you've just got to play it by ear whilst not being reactionary as well. It's really hard to describe, isn't it? Yeah, Soychek's a good example because he was one of the first. I didn't have him for the first, you know, chunk of the season, and he was he was annoying me because he kept doing well. When I wildcarded game week 16, he was one of the first names I put in. And, you know, I had high hopes for him for the double game week. But obviously he's disappointed. And very quickly he's gone from the player I wanted most to possibly one of the players I want to get rid of now because I don't really feel comfortable having him in my starting 11 every week when most weeks it will be a two-pointer or a three-pointer. So, you know, the De Bruyne injury might be a, a route for me to turn Suchek as my fourth midfielder into, you know, someone who's more expensive or even just a Gundogan who's a lot more exciting than a, than a Suchek. Yeah. Yeah, I think I'm definitely in the, the neither of you two of my chips. I have got a wild card and I'll be the bench boost. 
my kind of thinking now is played very much week by week obviously bear in mind that there's potential doubles around the corner maybe take that into account with transfers but relatively short term now just week by week maybe roll a transfer here take four point hit there if required keep just moving with the times and the form and the injuries and then my, my last sort of big play of the season will probably be a wild card in one game week and I'd like a bench boost the next game week hopefully for 15 double game weekers and then go from there that that's kind of hopefully what's going to leapfrog me into the the top 10k at some stage but um that that's where i'm at with the plan and i'm gonna i think we've been planning for quite a while ways particularly with this double game week in mind but lots happened and changed throughout yeah yeah you've always got you've always got to be flexible and we've kind of preached that on did we even have do we even call our pod something about flexibility or something but it was it was kind of about being able to kind of adjust to the scenario and you, and you literally can't plan football or fpl in in too many plan it to such a degree where you know exactly what you're going to do because of like we said form fixtures rearranged fixtures actually dropping in um that's why you've kind of got to be able to be flexible like a, a few weeks ago it seemed like bamford and leeds transfers in and southampton players in was like a really good idea but sort of unluckily or whatever the fa cup re rearranged game sort of thing kind of scuppered that and then the Southampton Leeds assets in this double game week all all blanked didn't they because yeah no one scored or no one got a clean sheet so those assets um, on paper a few game weeks ago were really good and then it just kind of got messed up because of the rearranged and there will be rearranged fixtures dropping in like we've said the was it the City game going to drop in general and the Aston Villa game is going to drop in at some point soon so it's hard isn't it because that is kind of planning keeping an eye on those sort of things but it's not planning to the nth degree where you're literally mapping out every transfer. Yep. Lads, I think to wrap up the show, we should probably talk about captaincy for next week. For me, that's a pretty short answer. I'm going to go Bruno Fernandes. I think that's my choice, and that's just that. Against Sheffield United, I don't think there can be... Maybe you have another idea, lads. What do you think? That That's where I'm going. Yeah, same for me. I think I, I was going to be on De Bruyne for the West Brom game, but obviously if he misses that one... I think it just defaults to to Bruno then at home to Sheffield United. You know, worst team in the league. Bruno's a great FPL asset. Spurs play Liverpool, so we're going to swear that fixture. So yeah, Bruno captain, I think. Yeah, like you said, the Spurs Liverpool fixture was kind of rules out. Well, it doesn't. You can still they are still legitimate picks. The Spurs guys and maybe even Salah, like I said, if he returns form. But for me, yeah, I, I always avoid those bigger fixtures, and I do look, like to target, you know, a premium player playing against uh, a shite side. Um, yeah, and like it's it's tough, isn't it? Because Man City have a good fixture as well. I guess there's an argument that you could even go for the likes of Cancelo, Stones, Diaz. I don't like, you know, 99 times out of 100, I'd, I wouldn't captain a defender. But with how good they are defensively and even with the attacking potential you've got there, that could work. But yeah, for me, it's currently on Fernandez, and I don't think it will move. If you haven't got... I, I guess we should kind of cover off our who would be our choice out of everyone in the game if we didn't have Fernandez. For those who maybe don't have him or don't want to have him, whatever, I'm just looking through the fixtures. There's nothing really standing out for like a real plum fixture apart from, like I said, the City guys. So yeah, I'd possibly look at City if you haven't got Bruno. Mm. I'm having a look there. Nothing's really jumping out at me. Maybe Bamford against Newcastle. Maybe no, I, I'm not doing that. I'm trying to think if I didn't have Bruno in my team, that's who I'd probably have yeah. to pick. He'd probably be my vice. Uh, maybe that's crazy, but that's who I am. No, yeah, he's he's actually my advice at the minute as well before I've done any transfers. Just sort of, when I say it at the start of the week, kind of targeting that easier easier fixture. But, lads, I think that's about all we've time for. Unless there's, any, that's just over the hour mark, unless there's any either you particularly want to cover. No, that's that's a good show, yeah. I think. Yeah, I think we've covered a lot of the main points and hopefully offered uh, some good stuff to the listeners. And yeah, thanks to Mark for coming on. I know, John, you'll give him a big big outro but yeah just a, a thanks from me for coming on helping us out as always uh absolute legend top bloke Pl- pleasure and, uh, pleasure as always yeah happy to hear you're having a good season and uh well done actually playing your bench boost because that is Aye. that's a difficult thing to do i'm looking forward to seeing you bounce back you know you've plenty of time halfway through the season you've, you've still got a good rank so top 10k is still on very good well marcus would you want to tell everyone where they can find you give us give us your best plug podcast and all and and sorry actually something i didn't mention john stones or sorry, no, Kevin De Bruyne, who was a lot of people's triple captain, almost entered that very elusive club. I know, he was so close, oh, yeah. so close. A lot of people tag me, but I always go by by the FPL website and how many minutes they get, so it was 58 rather than 59, but he'll definitely get it. He'll get a mention for <laughs> he that, has though, to. of course. Do your, uh, 
anytime any any sort of player is 59th minute, I guess your Twitter just blows up, Mark, with people. It's got to the point now yeah. where do you know when it happens? I just I just log out because it just goes nuts for about for about 15 minutes. It's quite funny. Yeah. But yeah, thanks for having me on, lads. Um, best place to find me on Twitter at FPL General. Check out the 59th minute podcast. I'll be releasing one on Friday this week, so check out for that one. Uh, yeah. So best of luck to you all for the rest of the season. Brilliant. Well, look, thanks very much. Um, brilliant episode for anyone who is new just listening in because uh general's in the house make sure you subscribe this is kind of the format of the show each week straight into some questions and hot topics and then we kind of transition with a, a quick wrap-up of our teams and looking forward to next week um yeah so make sure you hit that subscribe button Wes, is there anything else yeah just echo you john hit subscribe follow us both on twitter um and yeah tell, tell your mates about it share it on the whatsapp groups and help us grow we're doing really well so far and getting a lot of positive feedback in our dms aren't we john from various people either whatsapp or twitter or whatever so um yeah really really thankful for that and really happy that people are actually liking it absolutely and just before you do head off make sure check out partners of the show fan slide there is a link in the description go give the app a download let us know how you get on a couple of big fixtures coming up next week and there'll be money on the line it is free to play it is uh, in play fantasy football so yeah there we are have a good week and we'll chat to you next week